The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Ageism in the workplace. I tend to think that ageism is one of the more overt forms of discrimination that exists in the workplace. And on the line to talk about it, we've got Kim Sealing-Smith, who is an expert in the future of work and also the CEO of Ignite Global. Kim, good morning. Thanks for being on the program once again. Good morning, Mitchell. Lovely to speak with you. So what do you think are going to be the challenges in relation to ageism in this particular decade? Well, there are a couple, actually. I've been, you know, it's interesting. In 2004, I was living in New Zealand and a journalist reached out to me and she was doing a a story on the end of ageism and she wanted my commentary. And my commentary was, we're decades away from the end of ageism. And she said, what do you mean? I said, companies are giving lip service to ending ageism, but it's, it's really not going to happen. It's not going to happen until we are in a situation where we just can't find enough qualified candidates to fill the roles. And the research was pointing to that fact sometime in the 2020s, in this decade. And uh, so I have said for decades that ageism will only end if employers have no other choice. And guess what? We're here. So supply and demand is going to hopefully end ageism, hopefully end ageism, but at the very least, put a good dent in it. The thing about ageism is people need to be employed at all stages in their working lives. You can't just be someone who's permanently in, I don't know what the ideal age to be, because if you're in your 20s, you're deemed to be inexperienced. If you're in your 50s and 60s, you've got no IT skills. So I don't know, what's the optimum age? Uh, Can everyone just be in their uh, 40s or 30s? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yes, and it's interesting because, you know, there are a lot of preconceptions about, um, uh, you know, about the younger generation not having enough experience. And I ask you, you know, I really ask you, well, I want to ch- challenge that actually, and I know that you're not saying that, but I want to challenge that conception because, you know, one of the problems with the skills shortage is that technology is rapidly um, requiring us to change the way they ship, that we shape roles. So nobody in the market will have the experience that we need. The um, uh, uh, World Economic Forum says that 2020, uh, uh, sorry, that 50% of all tasks will be automated by 2025, which means we're not going to be able to find experience. So why not hire somebody who, who has the um, ability to learn the, the interest in figuring out what, how they can maintain relevancy, regardless of the fact of whether they're 20 or, or 60. And then the other preconception is that you know the older generation um, just doesn't get IT. And yet, I don't know if this is true, but I had I heard from a very reliable source at one point in time that the median age of um, people going into Apple stores these days, well, when, when they're open, when we're not in lockdown, mm. is 62. So you've got an entire generation that is becoming really, really adept at technology over their 60s. When you talk about skills that people don't have a lot of experience in, I think social media comes to mind because if you say to someone, well, you need to have 10 to 15 years social media experience, a lot of the platforms that we now use weren't anywhere near developed 10 to 15 years ago. 
Exactly right. And the social media platforms are changing every day. Not only are the platforms changing, the way people are using the platforms are changing. You know, we are in a time of rapid, rapid change. So um, the good news is the skill shortage is requiring us to look more broadly at the people that we bring in. And hopefully we'll look more sensibly at how we can attract and um, select the right people, not by looking for or skills and experience, but by looking for those qualities that they have innately. They, quite frankly, um, the research shows that, that our innate abilities were developed primarily by the age of 15. So we need to go to market and look for innate abilities and really cast our eyes away from the type of experience, the number of years of experience, or certainly the number of years they've been on the planet. Um, in terms of young people and uh, the way that they like to work, it would appear to me that they like the flexible work arrangements and working from home, whereas uh, perhaps the older people, at least in this workplace that I'm in, like to work from the office. Is that an issue? It could very well be an issue. And um, I haven't seen the research that that uh, has you know the, the line drawn demographically. Anecdotally, I'd say that you're probably right that more older workers want to work in the office. But honestly, I think like so many things around the future of work, there's not a one size fits all. People have different needs. Some of the younger people are in share houses and, and they just, you know, they don't have a place to work comfortably. So they want to come into the office. I think it's, it's really important for employers to understand that people need to be treated as individuals. Now, having said that, um, the vast majority of people, regardless of their age, if they want, if, if they have flexibility, sorry, let me take a step back. They want flexibility. They want to be able to choose. There was an article just this morning that says that the, um, uh, the future of work is not hybrid or remote. The future of work is autonomy. People want control, especially living through the lockdowns, living through um, what, we, what we've been living through with the, the pandemic. We feel like we've lost control. And that's when we start to, to emerge from the wilderness uh, that is lockdown, we are going to want more and more control. Now, this could be a, a potential issue for managers who don't well, for older people who don't want to work in a remote or hybrid workspace because they may not have the opportunity to go into the office, companies like Laminex, an iconic manufacturing company here in Australia that's over 100 years old, they went to a work from anywhere um, policy back in May of 2020. So that could very well be the new type of ageism if you don't, um, if you don't feel comfortable working in a remote or hybrid work environment or certainly if you can't manage uh, staff that work in a remote or hybrid uh, uh, situation. What about ageism and qualifications? Because we did speak to someone a couple of weeks ago talking about the future of university and the fact that on-campus learning may become a thing of the past, but also even the changes to qualifications and micro-qualifications. Yes, yes, I really see that as a trend. Um, there are two universities here in Australia, RMIT down in Victoria and uh, Curtin University in Western Australia. Both have uh, done a magnificent job of putting um, the majority of their courses in, in some cases online. And university students are, you know, online learning is going to become the norm. So that's changing the way that we do education. The other 
other thing that's very much affecting it is these micro qualifications. You know, the days of, of going um, and getting a three-year degree or a four-year degree from a university and potentially doing some, some graduate learning, I think they're coming to an end because of the rapid change. My niece um, just graduated from medical school and she, her program was one of the first that has been morphing from rote learning to anything that you want to know is available on Google. So they're instead of being taught uh, things to memorize in terms of diagnoses and treatment of disease, um, they were taught how to do the research to find the latest research as things change so quickly. And last of all, will we ever see the end to ageism? Because I just feel like some of those attitudes, whether it's about young people or older people in the workforce, they just seem to be very much entrenched. Yeah, and you know, it goes back to the way that we're wired neurologically because we are, we take in far more information than we can consciously process on a minute by minute basis. So our brain tries to do us a favor by categorizing. And these categorizing, this categorizing mechanism actually um, does us a disservice in these situations because we tend to put people in boxes. We tend to paint people with a wide brush based on their age, their religion, their, their sex, their, um, you know, any kind of demographic or even how they look. And that's just how we're wired. Now, there's some really fascinating research around diversity and inclusion. And the way that we're teaching diversity and inclusion is changing rapidly. So the end of ageism, I think, will only occur when we truly embrace diversity and, and inclusivity and recognize that we need to look at people as people, as individuals, and develop the skill sets to be able to do that, to challenge the preconceptions that our unconscious or subconscious brains serve up to us. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Always good to catch up and I think a fascinating conversation. So uh, looking forward to having you back on the program in the future. Anytime, Mitchell. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kim Sealing-Smith there, future of work expert and the CEO of Ignite Global. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.